0: and i think it's also worth adding the point that you know because females are 10 times more likely to suffer from autoimmune and and, and hypothyroid issues could mm-hmm. be one of the things why females perhaps suffer more when they mm-hmm. do that type of diet but carbs tend to be essential for the body and, and the keto and, and, and carnival will always say they're not essential because your body can make its own carbs and that's like kind of ignoring the the central <clears> tenet of kind of stress physiology is yes you can fall back on stressor stressor mechanisms and fall back it's a bit like hormones in the brain uh or or, brain, or hormone production is like you should be kind of regulating producing your own hormones in the body and it, when when that's not working so well you fall back on this the gland in the, in the brain the pituitary to help you produce more hormones but to the extent that that pathway keeps being overworked causes problems and i think that's the same problem when you look at utilizing sugar efficiently now one of the key things between fat and your body should be able to switch between utilizing fat and carbohydrates that's that's very normal the heart has a higher rate of oxidizing fatty acids compared to carbs but it still should be able to switch between fats and carbohydrates quite quite easily and the difference between using fat purely as a fuel is the res- in the respiratory quotient which gives you a figure of 0.7 compared to a figure of one when you utilize carbohydrates that means the respiratory quotient you'll be able to produce more energy well not more energy you're able to produce energy efficiently and produce adequate carbon dioxide energy and water welcome to the weight loss for women podcast a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way.
1: I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturate, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and seriously saturated skincare. And today I'm joined by our friend Keith Littlewood, known as Tomo. Uh, What's your Instagram? Tomo Littlewood?
0: Tom O'Littlewood, yeah. Tom yeah. yeah. The English yeah.
1: chap. So, yeah. He's got his master's in endocrinology and he's just a super smart dude and he is really nice as well. Um, and we've had him on the podcast quite a few times and I put a post out, you know, saying, you know, every, you know, eight weeks or something I have to just do a big recording of podcasts again. I'm like, who do you want to have on the podcast? And what did they say? I sent you a message. What did they say? That it was something quite funny.
0: Something like that, super nice English chap or something yeah, like
1: yeah. that. <laughs> something. Well, I just thought it was quite fun. It was complimentary, but it was quite funny. So, yeah. 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 So if you haven't listened to his podcast, we've done quite a few. We've done one on hormones, blood tests, uh, Henry's gone nuts, um, foods and digestibility of food. That's actually another one we could do another good podcast on, I think, Um, next time. What else have we done? Did we do one on Corona? I think we did one on Corona as well.
0: Yeah, I think we're talking about methylene blue at some point, weren't we? I think so. Which seems to have uh, proved its worth substantially. Yeah, Um, yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, food, uh, hormones, menopause, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, menopause we've
1: done. Yeah, we've done heaps of good ones. Anyway, go back and listen. But today we wanted to talk about uh, keto and why it's not a great strategy (laughs) for weight loss and long-term health because I talk to a lot of women Every single week, I reckon, Keith, I'd talk to like maybe 20 women. And I always ask them, you know, what have you tried? You know, what are yeah. the diets that you've tried? Um, and I'd say 80 to 90% of the time there's keto in there. Yeah. And it was interesting, um, one of our clients who is in our program now, I think she started at about 104 kilos and she's been in the program 20 weeks. I think she's lost like 39 pounds or 17 kilos, seven and a half half kilos improved her sleep her energy uh and the diet that she had done prior to joining the program was keto and she said you know when she could stick to it obviously she had she would she would binge eat and she was actually a psychologist um diagnosed her with a binge eating disorder but I'm like you were doing keto of course you ha- you're gonna bloody be binge eating I'm like you you're cutting out all carbs your body's gonna scream at you for carbs but isn't it so crazy anyway since being on the program she hasn't binged once not once Cause she's eating fruit yeah. and juice and rice and potatoes and carbs. And she's like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever done in my whole entire life. And, you know, it's changed my life. And I think, you know, it's just, there's lots of influence out there, you know, even carnivore cause carnivores, I know carnivores, not keto, but maybe we can talk about carnivore and keto cause it's like carnivores, no carbs, not carnivore, yeah. sorry, keto's. No carbs and carnivores very low carbs, high fat, high protein. And you well, know, they've changed warm... their mind a bit, haven't they? Yeah, they've that... gone
0: oh, berries, berries and honey now. But yeah. berries and honey is okay.
1: Well, like they fucking realized that it's like you need carbs. Um, it's just yeah, it's crazy. Even the strong sisters, you know, you know the strong sisters, we've had them on the podcast yeah. a few times. You know, they were doing carnivore for a very long time, no cycle, super lean and had all these health issues, and now you know, they've come out the other side eating pre-metabolic. Um You know, got got their cycles back and just looking so much healthier and just so happy, so much more happy because obviously they can eat carbs. So, you know, I guess like I think a lot of these diet strategies work because they just put you in a calorie deficit by either drastically cutting calories or cutting out entire food groups. And, you know, I think for a lot of the women that join our program, like they say, oh, I just want something really easy where I just don't have to think about anything and I can just eat the food and whatever. And I get it, you know, you cut out an entire food group, it makes it really easy, but look at what always happens long-term. All of the women I speak to regain the weight and they end up with all of these health issues. So I think, you know, anyone who works with us you have to learn you have to be involved in the process you know you have to learn about your body and the foods and learn about meal plans but the reward is so great because you know so many of the women that we work with and you i mean you work with different people for us keith but they get the bodies that they want and they're healthy and they can eat normal fucking food again so mm-hmm. i don't know let's wh- where do we even start with with keto and carnival maybe we can talk about carbs and why they're essential and what they do in the body
0: Yeah and I think it's also worth adding the point that you know because females are 10 times more likely to suffer from autoimmune and and, and hypothyroid issues could Mm -hmm. be one of the things why females perhaps suffer more when they Mm -hmm. do that type of diet but carbs tend to be essential for the body and and the keto and and carnivore will always say they're not essential because your body can make its own carbs and that's like kind of ignoring the the central Mm -hmm. tenet of kind of stress physiology is yes you can fall back on stressor stressor mechanisms um, fall back it's a bit like hormones in the brain uh or or, brain, or hormone production is like you should be kind of regulating producing your own hormones in the body and it, when when that's not working so well you fall back on this the gland in the, in the brain the pituitary to help you produce more hormones but to the extent that that pathway keeps being overworked causes problems and i think that's the same problem when you look at utilizing sugar efficiently now one of the key things between fat and your body should be able to switch between utilizing fat and carbohydrates that's that's very normal the heart has a higher rate of oxidizing fatty acids compared to carbs but it still should be able to switch between fats and carbohydrates quite quite easily and the difference between using fat purely as a fuel is the risk in the respiratory quotient. Which gives you a figure of zero point seven, compared to n- a, a figure of one when you utilise carbohydrates. That means the respiratory quotient you'll be able to produce more energy. Well, not more energy. You're able to produce energy efficiently and produce adequate carbon dioxide, energy, and water at the back. So basically, end of the
1: just to simplify it a bit, Keith, because you know, like, yeah, the audience. So what you're saying is that yes, your body. If, if like, let's say that you're driving a car across the other side of Australia and you're only going to put half a tank of fuel in what's going to happen to the car, yeah. the car will stop, right? Yeah. So okay. when you're a woman and you're under eating fuel, which is carbs um, drastically, your body just doesn't suddenly die, does it? So no. what you're saying is it has these built-in mechanisms in order to keep it alive where, yes. where it can make fuel. So one, you're saying it can make fuel from fat and the other one is protein.
0: You can break down fats and proteins, but, you know, that that, that system um, tends to produce more byproducts, especially when chronic. So, uh, you know, you talk about clients that you've seen who kind of suffered from doing keto or carnivore, and they probably found that they did all right in the, in the first part because they lost a bit of water weight. You know, when you switch from any particular diet that you've been on and, and people always use that kind of diet frame of they've been eating a pretty shitty diet to yeah. start with. And they've gone for the first dietary change that's come along. It could have been going from, you know, high meat eating to vegan all of a sudden, or it could have been going from very high carbohydrate to uh, carnivore. And you will see changes in that. The body gets used to to kind of adapting. But to the extent, whether it's optimal will dictate whether you see the optimal effects over time. You know, probably what you've seen that I've seen is hair fall, worsening menstrual cycle, uh, mood, uh, irritability, and then... After a while, that weight loss that was there then tends to creep back in again. And I think there you know, uh, are reasons why that can happen. But I just don't think it's optimal to be sustained over a period of time. And not to say that, you know, some people can tolerate. I, I use the word of, of tolerating. It's a bit like tolerating fasting. You can tolerate going carnivore or keto, restricting a, a, a substantial portion of your diet, i.e. carbohydrates, taking that... Some people could tolerate that really, really well. But bearing in mind, thyroid hormone production requires carbohydrates. It functions really, really well of ha- ha- having higher carb- carbohydrates in the body and the liver functions really really well of having enough energy available Uh, so there can be some small benefits from keto and carnival but they're generally lost over time when people try to apply that chronically and chronically Um, and if you don't have a good thyroid function your ability to tolerate that kind of dietary insult is just uh, it's it's expounded further and it's 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 made problematic
1: And you mentioned something which would be good to expand on, I think, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, you know, like, oh, when people move to this carnivore or keto keto diet, you know, and potentially people with that have like these gut issues, all of a sudden they feel better. And you've talked about this before because they're removing a lot of the hard to digest foods from their diets. Of course, they're going to feel better.
0: Yeah, and, and it's it's not too dissimilar from the, the, the idea of people keep if it's really focused on blood glucose levels, right? Oh, oh I've been told I'm pre-diabetic, my, I'm not using glucose very well. When you take away glucose from the diet or restrict it substantially, of course, your blood glucose levels are going to appear better. Of course, your insulin levels are going to appear better. And it's the same thing with the digestive system. If you're taking away all of the irritants, it's going to be better, but it's usually... The, the stress that the digestive system experiences that of, makes it seem like a, you're, you're reacting to everything. So dairy is a big one, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. As everybody blames dairy, you know, ignoring the fact that the digestive system has been has been damaged and it's stressed and has a, a reduced capacity to to produce lactase, which digest lactose, which is part of the problem with milk. So once you understand that, that's the problem, not the, <clears throat> not the dairy itself. <clears throat> excuse me, have a sip of coffee. it's 8 Um, a.m yeah and and you you bring that into, into that philosophy in is that yes you can remove food stuff that appear to cause a problem but you're not actually targeting the real problem so and you know the other thing as well some people kind of blame carbohydrates like plenty of grains and grains aren't necessarily bad but pretty shitty produced grains some of the breads you get in supermarkets are so far removed from what bread is um, you know, they've got emulsifiers in they've got large amounts of uh, unsaturated fatty acids in that some of them are made with soy flowers, some of them have uh, preservatives in them, you know, these are the things that can potentially irritate the gut. Um, and, you know, blaming it just on carbohydrates, it's, it's problematic, it's, it's quite myopic, to be honest.
1: And I think too, like a lot of women, and I just remember what I was like, like, my what I thought was a healthy diet was lots of grains. So hard to digest, you know, brown rice and I was eating lots of legumes, you know, lots of lean protein, heaps of green vegetables, heaps of nuts and seeds. You know, I was diagnosed with lactose intolerance when I was a kid and my bloody mum made me, well she didn't know, she was just doing what the naturopath told her, made me eat you know, fucking soy cheese and oh, I drank it all <laughs> for years and years and years. And, you know, once when I met Emma and we worked on, I guess, like you said, healing the digestive tract. So removing those foods, eating, you know, lots of glycine or gelatin and collagen and just improving the system as a whole. Then now I drink a shit ton of dairy without issues. So I think, you know, women, you know, they're so confused about food um, and what's actually healthy, I guess, or what's, I guess, I think what really helped me when I found pro-metabolic eating was understanding, like, it's not just about what's in the food. It's, it's, can your body digest it? Can it actually absorb the nutrients in the food? And what are the nutrients I actually need? Like this week, I've had heaps of people message me on Instagram. I don't know why. It's just weird going, like commenting on my picture saying, why don't you eat any green vegetables? What about all the nutrients you're missing out on? And I always, always reply and I say to them, can you tell me what nutrients are in green vegetables that I'm not getting from the current diet that I eat? And they can never tell me. They always just say, Oh, I just thought that it was really healthy to eat green vegetables.
0: Yeah. It's still, still quite a common theme. And I I don't think necessarily that having some green vegetables in the diet is, is a bad thing, but the, 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 the the commonplace theme is that it's abundant and Mm. it's undercooked and, When you undercook it, it's very hard to digest. When you undercook it, the the nutrients that are in there, for example, the glycosinolates and the which which kind of can slow your energy down, because they are thyroid disruptors i mean i i barely touch green vegetables myself i try to get you know very energy rich food which has a lot of nutrients in it like fruit and also has plenty of potassium in it as an example um so i i I, and i would go for starchy kind of carbohydrates that have been well cooked like spuds or kind of rice or, or, or sweet potatoes that kind of thing so i i think it's uh It's still a common theme for people to say that you have to eat lots of raw uh, vegetables as green or in their whole state as possible. A bit like rice. Still, people seem to think that brown rice is healthier (laughs) than white rice. But yet a a billion Chinese people couldn't have been wrong (laughs) before. Um, And having food that's easier to digest rather than we're still in this um, paradigm of the greener or browner it is, the healthier it is, ignoring the, the the. kind of natural plant defenses and plant toxins that have been built up over millennia to to protect the plants themselves so mm-hmm. uh yeah it's it, it's uh it's still a common common theme I, th- I find it less so these days you know you get people that sometimes come from different literally tried every single diet available and actually usually they say i've come you know i've started eating perhaps in a pro-metabolic way and i've eaten more fruit now more carbs and i do feel much better but perhaps I, I feel like i've gained a bit more weight and that might come down to maybe perhaps consuming too many calories or yeah and know, i not... think and
1: i know like, because that's what we deal with every single day and the number one thing is women just don't track their food like yep. they you know they come in and they're like they've been restricting for so long and all of a sudden they're like oh yes you know i can eat all this full fat dairy and you know they over consume the fat they over consume carbs and then yep holy shit you know i've gained all of this weight but the ones that actually go okay cool where am i at now like what what am i currently maintaining my body fat or body weight now and then they gradually increase over sort of time seem to obviously also combined with strength training don't seem to gain the body fat so i think that's one thing that you can mitigate is if yeah. you track the food and increase slowly
0: Incre- yeah yeah i think that's a very wise thing i mean we've all kind of come kind of come to this kind of paradigm and gone I uh, can eat a tub of ice cream before I go to bed <laughs> why, why you can't <laughs> sleep oh, I can't <laughs> sleep ice cream sweat uh, sounds paradoxical but it's true um, I, I think another really important thing is that it is, is B vitamin um mm levels and thiamine seems to be really, really important. Like, something I've put a lot of research a lot over the last year is that, you know, there are plenty of foods that have, you know, thiamine disruptors in them or thiaminases mm-hmm. that break down thiamine and thiamine is critical in the pathway of, of, uh, aerobic metabolism. So the ability to use carbohydrates, is not just thyroid dependent, it's, you know, B1, B2, and B3 dependent as well. So coffee, uh, can, can lower thiamine alcohol, uh, um, seafood raw seafood has thiaminases in as well so there's plenty of foods that can break down the 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 amount of uh, thiamine that you have in your body and there's there's quite a few studies that show that high dose thiamine can help you to utilize carbohydrates more efficiently Mm -hmm. so yes it can be overeating you know yes it can be um also you know low thyroid function yes it could be also uh, an increased need for, for thiamine as well so there are plenty of things that can lend to that pathway but obviously the easiest one to look at is how many calories you're consuming
1: and would you say keith also too, like people i don't want people to see this pocket thing oh fuck i've just got to take this one supplement but i'm not going to do the basics right and this supplement oh, yeah, 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 like yeah. you have to like guys like focus on the basics first track the food are you getting enough protein you know are you getting enough sleep um, you know, eating the liver and the oysters, like do, do all the basics first, and then, yeah. maybe, you know, experiment with the supplements. Because taking that supplement isn't going to make up for skipping breakfast and no, yeah. <laughs> drinking alcohol every weekend.
0: Yeah, I you know, I get people that contact me saying, "Should I be taking thyroid or progesterone?" I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I was like <laughs> I don't know, I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. You know, just go and make sure that you're eating. Uh, you know. Uh, adequate meals and you know what ever works like i said we've perhaps talked about before is why some people do better by going coming into five or six meals a day to start with and then drop back to three squares a day uh, you know because that's what suits them better they can go longer periods without experiencing the crashes the highs and lows the feeling crappy the altered sleep and stuff and i think you know, dietary meals per day is quite subjective. I think um, so too.
1: It's about finding what works for your like yeah. lifestyle and what you can be consistent with. Like we, I find usually in our program four to six seems to yeah. be where most women fall. Like currently I do four bigger meals, a carrot salad, then I have a little snack at night of like a little bit of ice cream and some casein before I go to bed just because I really enjoy it. So that's yeah. what works for me. But like, yes, yeah, so we've got some clients that just eat four meals a day. We've got some clients yeah. that just really like eating six. They like to have the small stacks, snacks. So again, I think, isn't it about finding what works for you, balancing the meals, you know, trying to balance them, have a you know, protein, carbs, and fat at every meal. Don't try and, you know, eat all of your calories in one meal and then
0: have these tiny little meals.
1: (laughs) I mean, try as best as you can.
0: You better watch out because some some people on Twitter were saying that you'll be causing diabetes. (laughs) Well, that's actually
1: that's a good lead in. Let's talk about insulin resistance and diabetes and like why sugar what actually causes that look i'm going to tell you my basic understanding and what i it thinks a really simple way to explain it but um so insulin is like the key that unlocks the door that lets the glucose into the cell so there's certain things that can block that which are like pufers cortisol so people that are really stressed really eating high pufer diet Um, so, you know, when you've got those fatty acids in your blood, it's like blocking the key and high cortisol. So that is going to result in high blood sugar. Basically it look look like your blood sugar is really high. So like you said before, actually taking all the carbs out of the diet doesn't actually fix the issue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's even too simplistic for people to say that glucose, the glucose insulin, model explains everything because I, I don't think it does on any level at all um sure you you can get people who consume large amounts of carbohydrate that just aren't using it efficiently and they will present with high insulin and high glucose values but then you can see people that don't do that perhaps even under eat and still are looking you know like they can't utilize glucose efficiently now from what i've seen over the past couple of years is there there are enough reasons to suggest that pollutants can drive that. Mm. Um, So you can, you talked about insulin, you know, being the the lock that says the glucose inside the cells within the cells and the, the way that certain hormones work with, you know, molecules and the way that they bind together, thyroid has a specific binding site on the cell and that can be blocked by specific, disruptors like brominated flame retardants which is one of the most common hormone disruptors found in your house house dust wow. contains quite a high high amount of endocrine disruptors and so when you understand that the the pancreas which produces insulin is thyroid dependent and also has various signaling attributes which could be thyroid hormone dependent that can be a primary reason why you know insulin isn't functioning properly you know there are various blocking me- mechanisms you talked about PUFA and fatty acids high levels of fatty acids in the diet can throw t4 off its carrier molecule it's the same way that estrogen can do that as well so you can have high estrogen uh, and, and and an accumulation of endocrine disruptors or hormone disruptors these pollutants coupled with a relatively normal diet and people then go oh it's all the carbs you're eating that are causing that And know if you stop eating carbs oh yeah you look your glucose levels are much better now it's like duh it's like oh, of course it's going to be better because the glucose isn't needing insulin to help to help its function help its entry into the cell but when there are all these other things that are, are making the ability to utilize glucose efficiently they become disrupted that's the mechanisms we need to start working on Um, sure you can you can go down the route of of reducing carbohydrates but in the end that's not going to resolve some of the problems that many people are um, experiencing and hence why some people then go really really low carb or cut carbs out and go i feel like shit Mm. Um, you know my hair's falling out my menstrual cycle's got much worse it's disappeared or it's become really scant for guys my testosterone levels have dropped um you know a, a plethora of these kind of things my digestion's got much worse um you know any any of these things that can happen so i think blaming in the, the insulin glucose model is is fundamentally flawed because it's suggesting that it's a a one way street between insulin and glucose and then glucose restrict when you restrict glucose insulin levels should improve that's not how the body works it never functions of of two two mechanisms that are joined together it's very very complex can we change it with diet yes we can to a degree but sometimes we're just we're just working on a symptom rather than a, 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 you know the the actual true dysfunction that's going on mm. can you comment on so i get this a lot on instagram
1: sugar is poison so, you know, um, you should never eat any white sugar, or like even people will go as far to say sugar in fruit is poison. The sugar is poison. Where, where do you yeah. think this even comes from?
0: <laughs> well, I think, again, you get certain people out there, whether it's like Gary Torbes or uh, is it Lustig? I can't remember the other one, and, and, and a few others like that. that. There's some merit to saying that high extracellular glucose can cause problems which you will see in diabetes right the inability to Mm. utilize glucose is problematic but then you have all the other products as well so when you start you know switching to fatty acid oxidation you have a lot of peroxides or metabolic after products imagine like when you're burning fuel from a, a car you have all the all the exhaust fumes coming out when you kind of start not being able to use glucose efficiently and you kind of, you know, within the Randall cycle, which is the glucose fatty acid cycle, you you can't use glucose anymore. So you switch to fatty acids, the lipid peroxides that are produced, something called MDA malondialdehyde uh, and all of the other kind of uh, peroxides, which increase the amount of antioxidants that are burned through, increase the production of reduced glutathione, glutathione is wasted. You get this very kind of disruptive stressed inefficient metabolism mm. and so glucose then doesn't become it it can help to contribute to the problems further but it's 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 kind of separating the fact that it's not sugar that's the poison it's the system is so messed up everything becomes a problem and sure you can remove that problem but again you're kind of you you you're then suggesting that glucose is the only reason why the system's become problematic Not the environment, not the stress, not the uh, extra medicines that people uh, have to take um, or being forced to take in some cases. You know, all of these things that can can drive the problem and inheritable stress as well. You know, we see many kind of traits that are passed on from from parents to to offspring as well that can be inheritable as well. So it's kind of blaming it's it's like going around the dartboard and just trying to find one thing when I play darts. I don't know why I use darts as, a, as an analogy because I don't play darts, but you've got one arrow and you're just throwing it and you can hit one thing. It's like, that gives you an idea of the problem. that There's a whole dartboard to think about.
1: I think so too. Like a lot of women, again, when I speak to them, And when they finally join our program, they're like, oh, Kitty, I've realized now that I can't just keep going back to these easy quick fix diets. I have to actually put some work and time into changing my lifestyle, you know, and changing my habits and behaviors and learning about food and my body because those things don't work anymore. Um, And, you know, it is easier just to take a supplement. It's easy just to cut out an entire food group, but it's hard to like really sit down and look at your life and go, okay, shit, you know. I need to take some ownership here and make some changes. And, you know, it can be really challenging in this process too, I think, especially when it comes to like for women, the body composition change and fat loss. It's a slow process. So, you know, we're all so used to going, oh, I've got the dream body in 12 weeks. And that just can't happen. It just can't happen. So I think, you know, but most of the women that come to us, they're like, yep, 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 kitty, I've done the dieting for 30 years. I'm ready.
0: (laughs) I'm ready Uh, for a more sustainable approach yeah and weight gain doesn't usually happen out of a vacuum it doesn't happen over That's a right. few weeks uh, and, and so people sometimes expect the weight loss to happen over a couple of weeks it's like sometimes it's months year, many months and years that have caused things to happen yeah. uh and so you know you i think you have to put some things into perspective and i've always talked about kind of six key things like energy sleep libido mood absence of pain um digestion you know when those things start to come back then you can make those kind of you can probably be more cognizant of the changes you need to make if you're kind of running off empty and you can't sleep well you know that's thyroid disruptive in itself and so you're not really able to grasp the problem or even grasp your energy needs sometimes and that's why you know some people talk about oh i'm addicted to carbs no you're not addicted to carbs you can't you can't manage your your energy need intake and expenditure. And so when you're kind of very chaotic, your cells scream out for glucose. You fancy something sweet because your body knows that getting sugar in is one of the things that's going to balance it out effectively. That's why when you go to accident emergency, when they put an IV inside you, they don't put a steak, a uh, blended steak. They put sugar, glucose and salt to help balance out osmolarity and blood glucose levels. Uh, if they were to give, if your body (laughs) that's what i have a problem with 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 the whole carnivore keto crowd is like dude they're not putting meat into you and fatten when you're in a really bad way the body needs glucose and it needs sodium they're the two two most life stabilizing things when you when you're in a really bad way yeah so to say that sugar is not essential it just it ignores the complexity of the human body and why we've evolved to use carbohydrates efficiently. We're just in, a, in an environment now where the environment is constantly shouting at people, breaking them down. And it makes that kind of energy regulation and, and need kind of evaluation quite chaotic. So yeah, people go, Yeah, I am, I'm I'm addicted to these carbohydrates. Like, no, just you know, first of all, just just break it down and start eating meals on a regular basis, yeah. getting a, a decent amount of carbo- carbohydrates, yeah. proteins and fats. And if you do find that you're gaining weight, it could be the overconsumption of calories. It could be that you can't use carbohydrates sufficiently to start with. You know, go slow with them. Don't try going in, at you know, 70, 80 percent carbohydrates yeah. in your diet when, when well, I think- you, need, you need adequate protein and fat.
1: Yeah. And it's just consistency. Like I see it all the time with the women, the ones that consistent, they track their food and they eat similar things and they eat the regular meals. You know, they stop the binge eating, they, they, the cravings stop and they don't gain massive amounts of weight because you can't, you know, like the ones that I see gain the weight, they're like, Oh, one day they're eating, you know, 1300. And the next day they're eating over, you know, twenty five hundred because they're hungry and they, they been you know, like, it's just, I think if you can, what really helped me too was, you know, being consistent planning ahead you know eating a good decent breakfast and then following that on you know in three to four hours of the next meal and next one and I was like wow my sleep's improving my energy so much better my performance in the gym is better maybe talk quickly about sleep and why carbs you know I just found that you know I was one of those people that used to wake up all the time you know and then when I actually ate more and even now if I don't eat enough I don't sleep eat enough carbs
0: yeah. eat enough I, I, yeah I always find this quite Quite in, uh, uh, such a simple kind of thought process, and you know a lot of people don't put it together. And you can see that some people go, "Well, I have a hard time getting to sleep." Well, you know, if you're not if you're not consuming enough calories in, then you're going to producing stress hormones, which are going to keep you awake. And the same thing as if you wake up at night, you know, if you haven't eaten enough, your body is going to increase the amount of cortisol that's needed to break down fats and potentially proteins as a fuel when you don't have the ability to balance your blood blood glucose levels out to sustain deep sleep. When you go into the kind of deeper phase of sleep, you know, the REM and the non-REM phases, they're glucose dependent. So if you don't have enough glucose and can't regulate glucose efficiently, then you're not going to sleep through the night. You can throw in you know, aspects of the neurotransmitters, particularly serotonin and histamine, which everyone thinks serotonin is needed to get you to sleep. Serotonin is a wake on transmitter. Serotonin will wake you up. So that's why it, was, it one of its primary role is to bring you out of the deep phase of sleep. And we know what histamine does. Histamine is also a wake on transmitter and histamine when, when your guts inflames or your lungs are inflamed, you're wheezy, you know, you've got bowel irritation, you're going to produce large amounts of serotonin and histamine. So if you're not eating regularly or perhaps even overeating as an example, because that could be real, mm-hmm. um, or you're, um, Inflamed, your guts inflamed. You're eating foods that irritate the digestive tract. They're going to increase the amount of serotonin. Serotonin is produced mainly in in the bowel, in the intestines, uh, and so upregulation of serotonin and histamine can classically be classically be felt in the digestive system. It can cause constipation and ir- irritability, leading to an irritable bowel. It can lead to um, irritation of the lungs. Serotonin is primarily metabolized at the lungs, so. Wheeziness, and we know what histamine does as well if you're kind of allergic to pollen you start getting wheezy or you kind of some food stuff it's this mast cell activation that's induced by histamine so not eating enough food and producing the way con transmitters of serotonin and histamine can be a real problem and for, for females as well the steady increase of estrogen through the follicular premenstrual phase into the follicular phase, not having enough progesterone produced from the corpus luteum in the luteal phase. I see plenty of clients that suffer from insomnia in the premenstrual phase build build up uh, into the follicular phase because estrogen will induce some kind of insomnia as well, because it's going to create excitability of tissues. Uh, you're going to have dysregulated calcium going into the cells, you're going to have water going into the cells. Uh, you get swelling of cells. Um, it can dysregulate blood sugar levels, and you can understand why perhaps sleep can be dysregulated because of that as well.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it is just so amazing. Like, and just see it with clients again and again and again when they actually, you know, eat enough, um, but not too much. You know, balance their blood sugar regularly. You know, I also think too. The, why we always recommend planning ahead. Like one issue I see with, with clients sometimes is they've got their macros, but they just eat on the fly and then they get to the end of the day, they're like, fuck, I've still got to eat 500 calories. And they try and shove it all in, which means they have a shit sleep. And, you know, they, you think you're going to use a lot of energy in the start of the day and during the day when you're training and moving. So I think, you know, when they actually plan ahead and they eat a good breakfast and then they eat adequate calories throughout the day. And then some of them don't even have a bedtime snack, Like they'll have a decent dinner a little bit later and then they'll go to sleep or some like me, I just really like a bedtime snack. That's yeah. when they sleep. And obviously there's other shit that can affect your sleep. Like I think if you're stressed and if you, you know, I've had that when I've been really stressed and still doing everything right, you know, you can do things like, um, you know, br- breathing stuff and like meditation and journaling and shit, but let's just assume <laughs> that focus on the basics first, you know, like get the food right um and eat enough during the day, it honestly just makes a world of difference. Like it's huge. Yeah. Your body likes yeah. consistency.
0: Yeah. And you see some people go, I'm not sleeping that very well. And you go look at the diet and they've had coffee, bacon and eggs for breakfast. It's like yeah. great that you're eating some protein at breakfast, but you know, that's going to induce quite a stress response on the body just by having protein and coffee in the morning. Mm. So if, you, if it's going to increase the stress response, it's going to increase uh, oxidation of fatty acids. That's going to require a little bit more adrenaline and cortisol. Caffeine has a pro metabolic effect and it's going to ramp up your metabolism. And if you mm. haven't had any carbohydrates since, six o'clock the, the, the night before you can understand why perhaps throughout the day that's not the best place to start your day mm-hmm. is running into stress hormones straight away so you know that's why you know a glass of orange juice or a piece of fruit could be really really good there
1: yeah. If you can't do a good solid breakfast, like I think, you know, we always encourage our clients sit down have a good breakfast, but I think some women, cause they've been fucked for so long. They're like, Oh, I'm just not hungry. I just can't bear to eat anything. But like Keith suggested, you know, start small, have some juice with a piece of fruit or some juice and collagen or salt or a piece of fruit and a piece of cheese. And then, have something again, you know, maybe in an hour or an hour or two. And then, you know, I've just found with clients, if they just force themselves to eat and they then eat regular meals, all of a sudden they're like, they'll message you going, Oh my God, I'm waking up and I'm so hungry. Yeah. I actually want to eat yeah. breakfast.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool. I've seen that yeah, time. Yeah. time.
1: <laughs> it is. Do you know what? Like really, even now, even though we've been doing this for lo- so long, like I do the interviews with women on our podcast, the testimonials, and some of the stuff they say, it still blows my mind. Like, I still think, wow, how incredible that you can see such changes from doing all of these basic things and eating these amazing foods and getting enough sleep. Like, I mean, it's like no shit, Sherlock, but it still is, you know, quite incredible. Like women that have had horrendous menstrual cycle issues and terrible sleep and, you know, just hating life to all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm feeling so good and I'm sleeping well and my cycle's regular and I'm losing weight and I'm training. And it's like, it's just really cool. Like, I think it's just, yeah. it's exciting. Yeah, that-
0: yeah no even something like you know the carrot salad which i've seen clear up 20 years of ibs in some people it's like oh my god how does that work it's like i know it's a very standard thing that that works really really well and when you understand that you know what it does it's like oh yeah that makes sense so yeah it's 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 you know sometimes it's and you get to the point with some people where they're doing all of those right things yeah and unfortunately they do require additional support from maybe hormones or supplements but you know through the phases of getting everything right from the basics first of all and you have to get the foundation right you have to get the nutrition right uh and you know i think for 70 percent of people that's generally yeah and but obviously keith you wouldn't whenever
1: you because you work with people i think that are a bit more you know like i'm trying to think of another word than fucked, but you know but you still (laughs) get them before you get them to take the supplements you're like yeah, you, know, you can't just keep doing the same stuff you've been doing and just take the supplements and hope that it'll work. You get them to do all of the foundational things that we've talked about and take okay. the supplements.
0: And take yeah, the- yeah I, don't, I don't even entertain it. Some people just dive in and want to go, you know, I'm going to start taking this. And I'll, I'll always get, sometimes I get people that are really taking thyroid hormone, for an example. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's often still getting the food right so that their thyroid can work efficiently based upon the supplements that they're using. So mm-hmm. it's always a foundation of food first like, and never go in diving into stuff straight away.
1: Mm, and I've seen, like you say, some clients too, they've been doing all the foundation stuff and then they'll throw in some like progesterone, some progestin, it's made a huge difference, but obviously they've yeah. had the base right first.
0: Yeah. And you, yeah. you need, you need adequate carbohydrate for progesterone to work its magic, to be honest, you know, there's no point running around with inadequate nutrition because, you'll end up blocking progesterone anyway because the receptors will be there to take up cortisol uh, and uh, energy. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things. There are no magic supplements for a lot of people, uh, although th- those people that are hypothyroid, thyroid usually turns out to be a magic supplement, as in those people who who also, you know, uh, progesterone deficient when they've started taking that on the foundation of food, you know, it's, it's, it has performed some miracles in some people.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, well, let, to finish off, let's talk about, Let's say you've been doing keto or car- carnivore and you want to transition to eating more carbohydrates. How would you approach that? Let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, I, I would just kind of, you know, you still need you still need the proteins and fats. Sorry, let me, let me just shut the dogs up.
1: Just two seconds. Henry, yeah, no Winston. I'm just going to close the door. Wait, you too. And you can stay outside for a bit. You, they spark it, Kyle, our next-door neighbour. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Um, I think just starting with smaller amounts of carbohydrate to start with. I mean, you might find something like a, a small intake of, you know, fifty grams of, of carbohydrate to start off with, or something, might be really, really useful. Even, mm-hmm. even sometimes you don't even need to go you know, large, you know, large to moderate amounts of carbohydrate. Start with, you know, a few sips of orange juice and see how you feel. You know, with the food that you're taking. Then start adding it back in throughout the day. I mean, I, I, I don't think that there's a, a specific amount for, for each person. It's really just going in with, with, with a very small amount. It's probably better to go in with a piece of fruit to start off with, an easily digestible fruit, something yeah. like a nectarine or a plum or something like that, yeah. or a banana or, or, or stewed apples. Yeah.
1: Um, so I, would you I, say, I, Keith,
0: I, then potentially like you could do this,
1: you could say, track the food, how many carbs am I eating now? So yeah. let's say you're, I'm just using an example. Let's say you're eating 25 grams of carbs. You could go, okay, well, I'm just going to double that, but spread it across all of my meals and mm-hmm. have a small bit at every meal and then just gradually increase it.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. you know, some pe- some people, you know, there's a, uh, I don't know how much carbohydrates you have, but some people have like 70, 70 plus carbohydrates in the diet sometimes when they're athletically, Yeah. need uh, is there. You know, I what I find quite, I'm, I'm digressing slightly here, but a <laughs> people on on twitter and and instagram say you know carbs just aren't needed and then you go and if you you only need to go and look at a good strength and conditioning person's account a body comp specialist and they will tell you that carbs are absolutely essential well they are like
1: i look at myself like i'd eat minimum 350 grams i'm not even training like you know i've had the operation And I mean, I I, I guess you'd probably agree too, is that healing takes a lot of energy. Like it, 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 and this has actually been quite fascinating, not fascinating, but like I just, it's just interesting. So I didn't track my food for the first couple of days because I was just, I felt sick actually from the painkillers and just really sore. But I, and so I forced myself to eat. So I made myself eat my normal breakfast in the morning, even though I didn't feel like it. Then I had a lunch of like some stew and some fruit because I just didn't really feel like the heavy starches ate like quite a bit of fudge and milk, drank milk. And then dinner was like, I just had some small pasta. So I wouldn't have been eating super high calories the first couple of days. But once I stopped taking the painkillers, I wasn't so sore. I started to get my appetite back. And then I gradually sort of, I started to do a little bit more steps. So I probably did like 5,000 steps a day, but I was still eating like 26, 27, 100. One day I ate 3000 calories and my weight has stayed stable at 66 kilos. Yeah. For two weeks, it stayed the same. And I've been eating, like, I reckon if I averaged it, probably 2,500 to 3,000 calories a day, zero training. And then yeah. obviously gradually increasing the steps now, now that I can walk and I'm in no pain, I'm doing like 12K steps a day. So it's pretty amazing that, like, how many calories and carbs, I kept the carbs high, like, still like 350 grams of carbs a day.
0: Yeah. And this is where you, know, you talk about estrogens need need for oestrogen to a degree, because when you have scar tissue, oestrogen helps to regenerate new tissue because it's a proliferative mm. hormone. But oestrogen is quite wasteful. It, it, it stimulates glycolysis. So you don't use glucose efficiently. Mm. So I think maintaining a high level of uh, carbohydrates can be useful. A bit like why some females during the premenstrual phase need more carbohydrates because mm increased estrogen will stimulate glycolysis and therefore wasting of carbohydrates. So it's not very efficient, but there's a very kind of, there's a very quick flux of energy, but it's just not as efficient. And I think when you've gone under a lot of stress, it probably, it, you know, just underlies the requirements for more carbohydrates. Mm. So it doesn't surprise me that you haven't gained any, any weight because your body's obviously in a higher uh, energetic state when it's, when it's trying to heal.
1: Yeah, and obviously tracked everything and tracked my weight so I could see. I just jumped on the scales. Obviously, when after I had the operation, it jumped right up to seventy because I was in like just the inflammation. Um, you know, all the painkillers. Didn't yeah. for two days, obviously too. But yeah, like now. So today, it's been you know when I told you when I went to the doctor after like eight days, she was like the nurse who was changing the dressing. She was like, "Oh wow, this is amazing." She's like, "You look like you're like the same as last time." Four weeks post op, not eight days. And she's yeah. like, you've just healed so incredibly well and quick. So I was like, is that perimetabolic lifestyle? And she's just yeah. like looking at me thinking what the, and she also said to me, she's like, oh, don't jump on the scales because heaps of women gain lots of weight when they, you know, have surgery. And I'm like, my weight stayed the same, you know, yeah, like yeah. I've just, so yeah, it's really interesting. And I found too, that as, and I don't know, like, this is just an observation in that initial, like the first few days I was felt sick and then my appetite came back and that sort of week after I was like, so hungry. Like, I don't know whether I was in the like height of the healing. And then now as I'm, cause I'm feeling so much better now, like i am got no pain now. I trained today, just lower body, my appetite, it sort of came off just a little bit. Like I'm still hungry and eating, you know, a fair bit of food, but it's not, I just had those, you know, five days where I was like ravenous. Was just, yeah. I
0: just thought it was interesting. Yeah, uh, and I think it's yeah. You've obviously you've also gone into, and that's the thing with surgery. Sometimes some people going into surgery is not in the best condition that they're in, mm. so you, you probably expect to come out the other side in a slightly worse condition. But to the extent that you kind of prepared your body for surgery, and that I think that when you're kind of having any, it's a bit like preparing your body for stress. The more prepared you are for stress, the more robust mm. you are, the more flexible you are, the more you bounce back from from these issues. So I think your your case is is a useful point for preparing your body for stress which yeah. is, it could yeah. come out of any anywhere. And um, it's, inter-
1: it's interesting. Like a lot of people are like, oh, like, because obviously I've shared everything. So I've done the red light, the supplements, you know, we talked about supplements, vitamin E, vitamin K, you know, some extra progesterone. Um, yeah. I can't remember what else we talked about, but, you know, if we're doing the red light three times a day. Obviously all of those things are beneficial, but it's the fact that I've, like you said, it's the preparation leading up to it, eating, eating a lot of food and getting enough energy and calories. in. it's like not this, one magic supplement that's doing or the red light that's you know everything's contributing obviously but I think yeah like people go oh I'm just gonna go out and buy a red light but if you don't still shit you know when yeah. you're not eating enough and you're not getting the right nutrients it's not really gonna help help you a lot. Yeah. Yeah
0: that, yeah it's it is it's that you, you 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 it's no good just buying all the gadgets and buying mm. all the supplements without doing the, the necessary work. So yeah you've got you've got to stick to the principles for sure.
1: Yeah, so just, you know, that's why we just always hammer it so much because I think everyone's just looking for the quick fix. And I get it. it. Who doesn't want to get there faster? I'm sure if you could finish your PhD in a year Uh versus six years, you'd be happy.
0: At the speed of science. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) But it just doesn't work, I think. And you just, you know, like I've done it. I did it for years and years and years. And you do it for long enough and you just realise eventually that you can't do it anymore. And I think as you get older too, you get more tired. You know, and you're like, Oh, yeah. I just can't be starving and I can't be not sleeping and yeah. you know, it's just not worth it.
0: Yeah. And you know, and think about the environment that you're in as well, because that could, mm-hmm. you know, make or break you. Um uh I think what the more rural people tend to get away with a lot more than say the people that live in cities where the cities True. can be uh slightly stress. more stressed. um you're living by a conventional farm that's spraying loads of pesticides it depends you know there's there's different stresses for different people in different locations and Mm -hmm. you know all of these things do add on i think i was reading a study as well where uh females that were exposed to that had a higher level of hormone disruptors in their body when they tried doing calorie restrictions again they actually found that they had a much lower metabolic rate compared Mm -hmm. to people that had lower associations of those hormones in the body and it's Mm -hmm. not a causative study it's just an observational study that shows associations Mm -hmm. but i think that the idea that the more exposed to pollutants that that some people are it can play havoc with the metabolic set point with a thyroid set point and you know when these two things become problematic you know this is where some people again whether they've done keto or carnivore or low carb Mm -hmm. or chronic fasting will find it more difficult because there are other things beyond calories in calories out sometime there are other things beyond you know insulin and glucose models don't get me wrong a lot of people can function r- really well by manipulating calories and calories out but some people can find it exceptionally harder and you know you probably do come across people say i have dropped my calories but it seems to be a lot harder than than when i dieted before and i, I think there are more increasing uh confounding factors in, in people's environment that make it harder
1: mm, 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 definitely yeah and i think though uh, women do say that to me, but like, this is just a good example of it, right? So one of these clients that got on the call and she's on a group call and she's telling me, oh, you know, when I came into the program, I was eating 1600 calories and not losing weight. And Craig's got me eating 2000 calories and I'm losing weight. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense because you're eating less. And then I dug into her a bit more about like, okay, well, how are you tracking your food? And she's like, oh, I was not really weighing things. And, you know, I was inaccurate with the tracking. So I'm like, it's probably inaccuracy and not consistency with the tracking. So Craig's obviously getting a, eating similar things every day, getting enough protein, balancing the meals, yeah. you know, doing all of these things. I think it's, oh, and I just see a little time with women going, oh, it's menopause. Um, look, yeah, obviously menopause is, you know, like we should go, like we've talked about this on other podcasts, but there's just so many things that you can do, I think that will benefit you and you can, and you do have the power to change your situation and your body and your health. But if you're always going, oh, like blaming it on something else you know and like not wanting to put the work in and, and actually tracking your food and making better food choices and reducing stress and like you said changing your environment and you know maybe potentially changing the way you're training it's it's just nothing will change
0: yeah Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm sure you get all sorts of people uh, who kind of like, And I think tracking is a very relevant thing. It's not something I work with, because I'm not into body composition or or weight loss, I I kind of tend to focus more on sleep energy, you know, fertility, Menstrual cycle, testosterone levels, it, these kind of things, uh, mood and stuff. So, um, I, I I understand that there's a, a need to get the food right and the basics right. And you know, for some people, tracking is is an essential tool, right? You know, th- to get an idea where they're at. You know, oh yeah, I, I you know, I'm sure I'm eat, consuming two thousand calories a day. Realistically, that's three and a half thousand. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm prone to being eating a big cheese eater, um, and so sometimes, palm,
1: though, yeah, what? you are a palm. You know, you do love yeah. your
0: cheese, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm also drinking a bit more these days. I was going to say, I know you would be drinking more.
1: See, but it just slips back in. Like, these are the habits, you know, women tell me, like, oh, you know, I've been drinking a few more glasses of wine. I've been less active. I've been eating. it's like yeah. when you dial it in and you actually cut the wine out, you know, you eat better foods, you get the macros right, you eat the nutrient-dense foods. It's like it's actually quite incredible the amount of food that some of these women can actually eat and still lose weight because they're being more consistent with things, you know, like – yeah. But like, you don't have to track forever, you know, like I'm not, I'm not a soup. like I'm very consistent with my food, but like on the weekends, I don't track, I love it. You know, I love alcohol, you know, like, but you know, on the weekend went out and I just was like, okay, hey, three drinks, just fucking limit yourself to three drinks. So I had a cocktail and two glasses of champagne. That was perfect. And I didn't track my food, you know still weighed the same the next day because I've tracked enough and done it long enough to know, like, you know, I made sure I chose a good amount of protein and then I had some mashed potato and I had my few drinks and came out and had my normal dinner. You know, I think, you know, if you put the work into tracking and understanding food, then you can eat like saying, I want to eat intuitively. I feel like he's saying that you want to be a karate black belt without going through all the other belts first, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's some merit to that for with with regards to cravings like craving chocolate, sign sort of magnesium yeah. deficiency and stuff. But at the same time, it's like I I I if I was to eat intuitively, I'd be eating like a a cheese board <laughs> a day, yeah. a, a cup of ice cream. And, well, and it's delicious. I fucking love stuff.
1: cheese too. I'd be love to be smashing a big wheel of brie every day, you know, and like, <laughs> but I'd just get fat. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we'll have a cheese board if we go out, but it's infrequently. If I ate that much fat every day, I'd be fat too. I'd be get gained body fat too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear. You. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. But yeah, I, 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 don't think that there's a, a a problem with kind of craving certain things that are missing from your diet, perhaps. Mm. But you know, but yeah, it's uh, I think if we all wanted to eat intuitively, we'd probably all be in a bad way. <laughs>
1: but you know i think once you learn the, the tracking it's a great skill to have and you realize that you don't have to do these drastic things to lose weight you just need to eat in a small calorie deficit you know cut the booze out make sure you're good with your training get your steps in and slowly the fat will come off like it's not that difficult but it's the consistency i think that people find difficult and they want it to be really quick
0: yeah and the other point with in- eating intuitively is like sometimes we're kind of our brains are able to process where we're at anyway mm. we don't know if our thyroid's not functioning appropriately you know we're going to crave perhaps carbohydrates all the time for an example Mm. um without kind of understanding that we need an adequate base of protein or or certain amount of saturated fats for steroidal hormones um so you know sometimes we we our intuition isn't based upon uh, a good foundation of metabolic energy in the brain it's based upon dysregulation uh, and dysfunction so Mm -hmm. we're going to kind of intuitively, perhaps one other things that we we don't need.
1: Yep. So ladies, just get on board with the tracking, at least to start with until you get to your goal. And then, you know, like I don't, I don't track on the weekends cause I don't have a really specific goal right now. You know, I'm just, well, obviously I'm recovering from surgery. Um, but you know, before that I was just gradually trying to get stronger Um, and I just made sure I ate enough and, you know, had a bit more flexibility on the weekend, but if I wanted to then get really specific and wanted to do a fat loss phase or something else, and I'd just dial it in and get consistent. Like it really does, I think, take so much of the emotion out of it. Like, and you realize you can go out and eat and eat off your plan and the world won't end and you can make good choices, but unless you do it first, you don't know how to do it. But yeah, I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Keith. That was, um, that was That was so awesome. And uh, I will pop Keith's details in the show notes. I don't know why I was pointing down. It's like people can't see what I'm saying, what I'm doing. Sorry. Um, And, you know, if you are new here or you've been following us for a while and you haven't taken action, uh, don't forget our seven-day Eat More, Train Less, Get Results Challenge. So we built this uh, challenge for women who want to actually achieve sustainable results without drastically cutting calories, sugar or carbs and training, you know, six or seven days a week. So we developed it over years of helping women restore their metabolisms, eat more food and train less to achieve their health and body goals. So unlike other programs you'll find online, it's a holistic approach, providing everything you need for long-term success, more energy, better moods, better sleep, better digestion, balanced hormones. And of course, long-term sustainable weight loss or body composition change. So in the seven day, you get a full meal plan, workout plan for the home and the gym, training exercise videos to guide your workouts, metabolically supportive recipes and recipe book, advanced supplement guide, direct support in a private community, um, and most importantly, education. So we're going to educate you on the why behind what we do. So you can take control back and stop starving yourself and finally actually get some results and eat carbs. So you get it all for a one-off Um, payment of 27 australian dollars and you get lifetime access so join at any time start at any time and yeah you get lifetime access so i'll pop a link in the show notes uh for that thanks again keith pleasure and we will book you in again soon